On today's show, the Atlanta Hawks go down as many as 21 points and then erase that deficit with a massive second-half comeback behind the work of DeJounte Murray and others. We'll have a full breakdown of the game and more coming up. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1578 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account. Use promo code Lockdown MBA for $20 off your first purchase with Game Time. And I also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast, as I always do, to make us your first listen each and every day. Start your day with us and subscribe to the podcast via Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. We're also on YouTube on the video side and also encourage you to check out the entire Locked On Podcast Network. We can find a show on each and every team across the sporting landscape and plenty more beyond that. But today's show will be focusing on what, what became a 127 to 113 win for the Hawks at home against the Minnesota Timberwolves on this Monday, a sweep of a back-to-back for Atlanta. And if you did not watch this game, you may not know the full extent, let's just say, because the Hawks winning by 14 points was not, would not have been a terribly shocking result given that they were at home in this game. Uh, Minnesota was favored, albeit slightly, according to our friends at FanDuel in this one. But it was truly a tale of two halves in this game. And the Hawks are now 2-2 two and two after sweeping both sides. A very difficult back-to-back in Milwaukee and then back at home. Atlanta was down by 19 points at the half. They were down by 21 points early in the third quarter. And uh, just for some context, Minnesota made 10 threes in the first quarter. They scored 79 points in the first half. But then the Hawks came alive, led by, the, by DeJounte Murray, who was fantastic in the second half of this game. In fact, DeJounte had 22 points in the third quarter on perfect shooting. He did not miss a shot in the third. Had 30 points in the second half. The Hawks erased the entire deficit that they had in the third quarter. They tied the game at the end of the third. And then actually took a 19-point lead in the fourth quarter. So... Overall, and this is probably the craziest single stat of the night, even on a night where DeJounte had individual brilliance, the Hawks had a 60-20 to 20 run in the second half of this game. 60-20 to 20 against a playoff caliber team when the Hawks had the rest of its advantage in this one. So a crazy night at the office, for sure, across the board for the Hawks, and they're now 2-2 two and two after four games. As I mentioned before, this was a back-to-back for the Hawks, also the third game in four nights. Minnesota was on full rest, so put it all together, and actually they actually got Jay McDaniels back in this game for the first time. All season long, the Hawks were narrow underdogs in this game. And given the way the first half played out, it was even more likely than usual that the Hawks would come back because they were the team, again, had probably the less fresh legs in this spot. But as we sort of dive into the t- to the big picture stuff here at the beginning of the podcast, we'll have more DeJounte later, but obviously he is the big star of the night in a game where the offense was much better than the defense for the Hawks on the whole in this one. Murray tied his career high with 41 points. He was brilliant throughout the game, especially in the second half, of course. And the Hawks had a 131 offensive rating in this contest. It's a pretty competent defense in Minnesota. They shot 46% from three. They were 17-18 from the free throw line and 56% from the floor in this one. 28 assists, only 11 turnovers. That's an excellent ratio. The only real shortcoming was the lack of offensive rebounding. But when you don't miss a lot of shots, that's not that much of a big deal for the Hawks in this game. They had 19 fast break points. That's very good. 50 points in the paint is very solid. They even played well on offense in the first half when they were actually getting beat up pretty good because they were unable to get stops. But second half, they were even better offensively. And uh, one more thing that's actually pretty darn impressive, honestly, 
So, uh, you know, a lot of, them, of the highlights late in this game were like run out dunks when Minnesota kind of collapsed a little bit. But the Hawks had a 114 offensive rating in the half court possessions that they had in this game. That is an elite figure, like a 95th percentile outcome. So the Hawks were able to score early, often, consistently. And uh, that was kind of the steady hand in this one, even if DeJounte obviously deserves a lot of the credit for the second half um, sort of barrage that the Hawks gave to the Wolves in this one. Defensively, again, it was really a tale of two halves for the Hawks. It was kind of it was pretty wild, especially in, in the first half. I'll say this. it was it's, al- it's almost always a mixture of the two, but it really was both great shot making for Minnesota in the first half and also terrible defense for the Hawks in a large portions of that half. Um this year, we talked about it a little bit on the podcast, probably talk about this even more in the next couple of weeks, but the Hawks are uh, relying more and kind of scheming towards more on-ball pressure and kind of flying around a little bit less conservative of a style than they were playing before defensively. When they don't get home and make and actually create turnovers and create havoc, it can be a little bit ugly. And that's what happened in the first half of this game. In, you know, Minnesota is pretty big as well across the board. Other than Mike Conley, all of their guys are pretty big for their positions. But then, of course, once the Hawks got settled in a little bit defensively, they forced like nine turnovers in the second half. And uh, it, de- it definitely helped that Minnesota basically stopped making shots after halftime. But the Hawks were objectively, after watching the tape back, much better defensively in the second half, in, in addition to Minnesota, with, with some uh, regression to the mean, shall we say, after their red-hot shooting in the first half. Here's a crazy set of stats for you. In the first half, the, the Wolves had 79 points on 48 possessions. That is a ludicrous ratio by any NBA standard. Second half, the Wolves scored 34 points on 50 possessions, which is absolutely awful. That is a 68 offensive rating for a half. So it was truly the absolute polar opposite. And uh, in the end, though, the Hawks were the more consistent offensive team in this game. And then defensively, they were just enough. Basically, they had a 114 defensive rating. That's not anything great by any means in this one. And the Wolves still shot it well overall for the whole game. But after halftime, it was uh, much, much more slanted to the Hawks in this one. And uh, look, big picture after four games, they're two and two. It is kind of ironic that the Hawks won both games of the back-to-back where they actually had the most uphill battle according to their point spread in this one. They were notable underdogs in Milwaukee on Sunday, and then they were small underdogs in this one today. Um, they were like coin flips against uh, against the uh, Knicks and Wolves, but their biggest favorite so far this year was the opener against Charlotte, which they lost. So kind of a can't predict, a can't predict basketball situation right now with the Hawks. But look, in the end, it was very impressive for the Hawks to be so resilient in this game. Um, I won't play the audio here, but Quinn Snyder was like, you know, I think he called it a surreal victory. Obviously lots of credit to DeJounte Murray given from Quinn, but talked about their resilience and their focus and attention to detail. And look, a lot of Hawks teams in the past might've rolled over in this one. And, you know, to their credit, they didn't do that in this game. Obviously, it's too early to make sweeping generalizations about this team compared to others. But uh, I thought it was really encouraging to see the Hawks, again, on a back-to-back. I guess a team that was not on a back-to-back to go ahead and kind of blow the, blow the doors off, quite frankly, in the second half. One more time, a 60-20 to 20 run after halftime in this game. That doesn't happen in the NBA very often, especially when you're playing a team that's pretty good in Minnesota. So... I'll leave it there for now. We'll touch on more of this game and kind of how it flowed. And then we'll talk about the individual player stuff at the end of the podcast. But first, we're from our sponsors on today's show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. You can snap into the action with this NFL or NBA season with America's number one sportsbook. And that is the folks at FanDuel. If you're a new customer, get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 right now if your team happens to win beyond the awesome perks of signing up 
FanDuel also has something you're looking for across the sports betting space. That includes point spreads and over-unders. They have money lines. They have player props. They have future bets, team props, all that fun stuff, and much more. The FanDuel app is also safe and secure, and they cover the entire range of sporting offerings. That includes the NFL, college football, of course, NBA, MLB. They have college basketball and golf and tennis, and soccer and auto racing and MMA and boxing. It's all there for you at FanDuel. They have also the full offering of the Hawks as well. The Hawks play again on Wednesday against Washington. They'll have the full scope of offerings there, lines, props, etc., in advance of that game. And now is the best possible time to join up with the folks at FanDuel. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. Check out the official sportsbook partner of Locked On Podcast Network with an offer that you absolutely will not want to miss. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, so we'll dive in now to how this game kind of unfolded from start to finish. And early on, Locks actually started well on offense in this game. They actually scored 12 points in the first six possessions. That's obviously two points per possession. That's what you want to be doing. Uh, Hunter had a nice step back three that was kind of a really smooth shot. And that's one that I noticed that he usually takes from mid-range this year. It's a three. That's a small but also important bit of context there. They had Trey Young on Mike Conley and Murray on McDaniels and Hunter on Edwards for the most part in the first half. They also had Jaden McDaniels that uh, was guarding Trey Young defensively. McDaniels is huge, like 6'9 and very long and uh, Quinn mentioned that. I know Trey, after the game, said that he thought the Wolves, he kind of joked about it, saying the Wolves were picking him up like he was shooting 50% from three because of how high they're picking him up on the floor, but they were trying to overwhelm him with length in this one. Uh, but still, you know, defensively, there was some ugliness, obviously, as we sort of, sort of alluded to earlier on the podcast. Uh, Jalen Johnson had some trouble with Carl Anthony Towns. As you might imagine, Towns is uh, certainly a lot more, a lot bigger and more like adept in the post than Jalen is. Um, after the timeout, actually, I noticed that they, the Hawks actually switched Clint Capella on the Towns for a while at Jalen and Rudy Gobert. Um, only a few trips there before uh, sort of Jalen came out of the game, but notable there, they had kind of, you know, Minnesota is a pretty difficult matchup in a lot of different ways. Um, rotationally, A.J. Griffin returned to the lineup in the first half of this game. In the second half, the competitive portion anyway, he did not play. So he's definitely on the short leash, as discussed a lot on last night's podcast, where he didn't play until the third quarter. Tonight was the inverse. He played in the first half and not the second half when it came to the competitive portion of the game. It's basically, again, like an eight-man, you know, eight or eight-and-a-half-man rotation in this one. Uh, I referenced a no-dip three that Bogey took last night that he made. In the first quarter, he had another one like that, except for he actually, he actually managed to pump fake without bringing the ball down. He's been ridiculous in those shots early on in the season. But both teams were really like, scalding hot early on in this game. The Hawks were 6-9 from three. The Wolves were 7-10 from three. Um, I will say this, and I've mentioned it before, but the Hawks played a lineup of Trey and AJ and Bogey and Sadiq Bay together. And that foursome, even with the Kong, who's a really good defender, that foursome on the perimeter is untenable defensively. Now, they might score in bunches, and they kind of did in this one, but they gave up 13 points and the first five possessions defensively out of the timeout with that group on the floor. That is uh, not going to work, in my opinion. That's just my opinion. I think the offense will be obviously good, but defensively, that's four um, ranging from poor to worse than that defenders, and uh, I don't love that. Anyway, overall, defensively, it was optional on both ends of the floor in the first quarter. It was 42-35. The Wolves missed a three at the buzzer, and were still 10-14 of 14 from three in the first quarter. Again, if you just told me the Hawks gave up 10 threes in the, in the first quarter of the game, I would have said they were down by more than seven. So that was one of the small bright spots that the Hawks were actually not getting killed despite allowing 10 threes in a quarter. But they had like the Wolves had more than 180 offensive rating, 180 offensive rating in the first quarter of this one. The Hawks actually really good on on offense, as I talked about earlier, but it wasn't quite enough. Um, It was kind of a whistle fest 
early second quarter, I thought, in this game. The Wolves had four fouls in like 90 seconds. Plus, Rudy Gobert got two technical fouls in a row. He wasn't ejected, though, because the second one was not, in, uh, not a sportsman-like technical foul. But still a very, very choppy start. And then Minnesota took over a little bit with a 10-to-1 run to go down actually up by 14. Um, Quinn called timeout in the middle of that run, and he was pretty visibly frustrated with the defense in a lot of ways. I don't want to pick on Sadiq Bay too much, but I thought he was probably the worst culprit. He was totally lost, it seemed like, defensively in the first half in particular. In fact, like I thought he was kind of actively harmful in the first half, despite having 11 points on five shots, which is obviously great efficiency, but defensively it was really rough. Um, again, the Hawks were down by 21 at one point in the first half, 19 at the half. Um, a couple of nice defensive plays for Capella on actually blocking Towns and blocking Nasri, but I will say – he gave one of those back with a kind of a no hope hook shot against Rudy Gobert, a shot that he cannot take, in my opinion. But the Hawks actually did a pretty good job late on a defensive possession where Bay, who I, who I just mentioned was bad, but actually did a pretty pretty well on Anthony Edwards at one possession late. But then Edwards hits like an impossible shot, and that's probably a good microcosm of the entire first half in a lot of ways. Um, ironically, the Wolves missed a layup at the buzzer after making all the shots in the first half. But just to recap a little bit here briefly, the Hawks are down by 19 of the half. They gave up a 164 offensive rating in the first half. Minnesota shot the heck out of the ball. They got out in transition, and it was pretty porous there for the Hawks. They had four turnovers. That just can't happen with the way the Hawks were playing defense in that first half with, with their scheme and all that. But, again, despite the good offense for the Hawks, it wasn't quite enough. The second half was obviously much different. So, in a hurry, the Hawks got it down to a 10-point margin with like, within, like, the first five minutes, which was a huge thing because – you know, that's just like for morale reasons and tempo reasons, all that stuff. They sped things up a little bit. I thought was a pretty good uh, strategy from all parties involved. They got back within six with like four minutes to go in the third quarter. The Wolves just started not scoring, honestly. They had 11 points in like eight and a half minutes, which is night and day from the first half. They were just missing all the shots. Jante was the big story. We'll talk about him even more in a second. But the Hawks trimmed down the rotation. No AJ, as I mentioned before. Um, the Hawks did actually have one more double-digit double deficit in this game. They were, they were down by 10 with like five minutes to go. Uh, in the third, and then they had another run, bogey hit a three, and then DeJounte just went nuts. Um, in fact, he had back-to-back -back uh, jumpers in the final minute, including a three to tie the game at the end of the third quarter. Again, the Hawks were down by 21 points in that third quarter, and they erased that deficit entirely by the end of it. And in the third, DeJounte scored 22 points on 8 of 8 from the field, 2-2 two -two from 3, and 4-4 four -four at the line. So that is remarkable, obviously. He only took two shots at the rim either. So six of the eight shots in the field that he made were jumpers and they were pull-up jumpers, like self-created, just bucket getting jumpers. Uh, normally they bring Trey back in at the end of the third quarter, but Quinn rode with DeJounte because he was so hot and Trey after the game acknowledged that that was the right decision. Obviously um, Hawks PR had this one, but Murray is the first Hawk in the play-by-play -play era to have at least 20 points in a quarter without missing a shot from the field from three or at the free throw line. So he was perfect shooting 22 points in the quarter that is just remarkable stuff. And it's not like sustainable. Obviously, he's not going to make shots like that all the time. But we saw that, I think it was last year against Portland on the road, where DeJounte is just capable of like going nuts for a half. And that definitely happened in that stretch. And by the way, though, defensively, again, I said it before, but way better. They held the Wolves to 19 points on 25 possessions. They were 6-23 from the floor in the third quarter. And uh, that was just a start because it, it kept, kept coming in the, in the fourth as well. The Hawks were still awesome and rolling in the fourth quarter. They scored the first nine points of the fourth. They were down by 10 with like two and a half minutes to go to the third, and it was a 21-2 run by Atlanta. Minnesota didn't, didn't have a single field goal for like five and a half, six minutes. It was just pretty crazy there. The Hawks went from, from down 21 to up nine in about 11 and a half minutes. So a 30-point swing there. 
Minnesota finally scored, but DeJounte is another crazy stat. DeJounte had 28 points in the first 16 minutes of the second half on 11 of 11 shooting from the floor. At that point, DeJounte had 28 points in the second half. Minnesota had 14 points in the second half. So he was doubling up the entire opposing team for a while, at least over like a 16-minute period. That's just crazy. Uh, anyway, just ridiculous stuff from John Timbury. Um, there was one bit of, I don't know about worry, but the Hawks, the lead got pushed pushed down to, to like nine with like five and a half minutes to go. It was not over by any means. The Hawks were kind of gassed. I thought it was a really good quick timeout from Quinn from Quick Snyder to get some fresh legs out there because Murray had played the entire half at that point. Jalen played most of the half as well. But after that, the Hawks blew it open. They scored, I think it was like the next eight points to go up by 17. They had four dunks in the last five minutes of the game. They pushed the pace a lot, a couple of huge alley-oops. Like It was just like uh, Minnesota collapsed, I will say that. Part of that was about the Hawks, but uh, certainly Minnesota did not do any, themselves any favors. And uh, just some crazy – and one more crazy stat for you out here on the game flow front. The Hawks gave up 79 points in the first half of this game. In the first 22 minutes, so basically – Almost the entire second half, but the first 22 minutes of the second half, the Wolves scored 27 points. So from 79 in 24 minutes to 27 in 22 minutes, that is a stark change. And it was not just DeJounte, it was the defense as well. And Minnesota falling apart and all those things put together allowed for a, again, one more time, a 60 to 20 extended run by Atlanta to uh, go up by as many as 19 and put the game away. It was garbage time. Um, Another crazy thing to kind of just mention is that the Hawks were down 21 points in the second half of this game, and they were up by so many points at the end of the game that they were able to put their garbage time lineup in. They had Buffkin and Gay and Bruno on the, on the floor at the very end. That is just a remarkable turnaround. So I'll stop yammering for now. We'll have more on the player-by-player player section in just a second, talking about DeJounte, of course, and many others. But first, they work from our sponsors on today's podcast. Today's show is brought to you by Game Time. You should never have to worry about buying tickets to a big event. And with Game Time, you absolutely never have to worry. Game Time has the last minute deals that you're looking for on tickets for football or basketball or baseball or concerts or comedy and theater or even more things than that. It's incredibly easy to navigate to find all the stuff you're looking for and buy tickets for any event in your area. They have zone deals as well. You pick the section and Game Time will pick the actual seats for you for an average savings of 18%. And Game Time, you can actually view the, actually view the seats and how they'll actually look for you when you sit there. While you're looking for a ticket, it helps you to know exactly what you're looking for and what you should expect when you arrive. They have all-in pricing as well. You can know your total upfront without any of the hidden fees that some other places might have. And they have peace of mind at game time. And the game time guarantee means you actually always get the best price. If you find this in the same section in the same row for less, you'll be credited 110% of the difference with game time. Take all of the guesswork out of things when it comes to buying tickets by using the game time app. Download the game time app right now. Create an account. Use promo code LOCKEDONNBA for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the promo code Lost in NBA for $20 off. Download the game time app today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Okay, we'll end the show with the player by player breakdowns at the end of the podcast. And uh, a lot of things to cover on this player by player breakdowns, despite the fact that there's only eight guys that we played real minutes. AJ played six minutes, made his only shot, three points. Thought he looked fine, but uh, he was kind of on the outside looking at him, second half of this one. Bogey was uh, a little bit cold as a shooter in this one, three of 10 from the floor. Two of seven from three at eight points. They have four assists, though, and one turnover, one steal. Uh, he has to get guarded in a way that other guys just don't, which always helps the Hawks. I thought Boogie actually played fairly well, despite the poor shooting in this game. Uh, Sadiq Bey, 
a weird one. I talked about it earlier. I thought his first half was really shaky. He was much better in the second half for sure. 11 points, six rebounds. Did make all three threes. And that's part of the appeal of Sadiq Bay is that he's a really good shooter. Um, but kind of a mixed bag. I'm not sure he was good in this one, despite being plus 17 and being efficient offensively. But he was better defensively, and he found it there. Um, I think it's kind of an adventure sometimes with, with Sadiq on that on that end of the floor, which I've been saying since last year, honestly. But um, the offense is definitely very helpful when he has it going as a shooter. Congo was really good, especially late in this game. 10 points on perfect shooting, 3-3 three, three from the floor, 4-4 four, four from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, no turnovers, only 1 foul. That's a big one for, for Onyeka. Good to see that, plus 22 off the bench. A couple of big dunks later on in the game. I thought he played very well in this one off the bench and closed the game with the competitive portion. That was the right call. He had it rolling with the, with the younger, faster unit with Jalen Johnson, etc. Uh, to the starters, Clay Capella, I actually thought was fine. Um, offensively, not so much. Uh, missed all three of his shots, had two points in 23 minutes, but five rebounds and five block shots. He was by far their best rim protector. I thought he was really good defensively, especially in the third quarter um, of, of this one. I don't think he played great, but certainly he, he was better than the, uh, the than the raw numbers indicate. If you watch this game closely, the, the defense, especially out in the second half, was uh, very impressive. Um, elsewhere, everybody else in the, in the starting lineup had, big, had pretty big numbers. So Jalen Johnson, it was kind of a quiet night for Jalen for a while. I thought he had some issues with Towns, who was obviously a, a unique matchup in a lot of ways. Um, first half, kind of quiet for Jalen, not like a, sort of asserting his will a lot, but still played fine, just didn't like dominate. But in the second half, a couple of just massive dunks. Like obviously his athleticism just pops off the screen when you watch him. He had a windmill transition, all that stuff. 12 points in 33 minutes, five rebounds, three assists, and it had a steal and a block, plus 19. He played, he played well. I don't think he was like incredible, but I think he was like kind of quietly solid, which is all you kind of need from him despite some uh, early hiccups defensively like everybody else had in this one. DeAndre Hunter, I think played well again. I mean, I think DeAndre Hunter has sneakily been pretty good the last three games. Um, I don't want to anoint anything too quickly, but I think a lot of the panic, I would say, that was like kind of pretty silly after the opener about DeAndre Hunter was uh, overstated. I think he's been playing pretty well. He, he took five threes in this game, made three of them, four rebounds, two assists and a steal, no turnovers, moved the ball pretty well. I thought in this one defensively, he was not great early like nobody was, but I think he was better after the halftime and uh, played pretty well overall. I thought Trey Young, again, you know, his three-point shot is still not great. One of seven from three in this one, but 24 points, eight assists, and one turnover. That's a really good ratio for him and made a bunch of plays later on, also deferred to DJ in a smart way. And then, look, I got in the podcast with Jante Murray, 41 points to tie a career high, seven rebounds, five assists, two steals, um, 17-24 from the floor, three five from three, four from the, from the free throw line, Second half, 30 points, just like ridiculous stuff. And again, like you can't make on this happening very often, but he will get in this in this mode where he just can't miss a jump shot. And if that happens, he's kind of unguardable because he can get a, he can get a shot off always. Like the step backs that he can take and the crossovers and um, his off dribble sh shooting has always been um, valuable. It can be inefficient sometimes, but when he is going, he is really, really hard to stop. And we saw that in this game. I thought DeJounte was really good. Uh, defensively, I thought he was better in the second half as well, like everybody else was. Um, gave Edwards some problems after halftime. Um, and uh, I think in general, he's been better better defensively so far in the first four games this year than he was for most of last year. So lots of great stuff to talk about in this one. But, uh, you know, again, crazy first half, crazy second half. And um, on the Hawks side, the second half was, um, I guess, the more determinative of the final score in this game, which ended up being a nice benefit for the home team. So... All that said, two and two now on the season and one and one at home. The Hawks will now return to action on Wednesday at home. And uh, what I have to describe, I'm contractually obligated to describe this as the easiest game that the Hawks have faced so far on paper. And I want to stress that on paper, nothing is assured in the NBA. I hope that people already know that. 
But if not, look at the first four games where the Hawks lost to the Hornets, their worst opponent so far. And this game, they were down 21 points in the third quarter, came back and won. So games are not played on paper. Now, it doesn't mean you don't that you ignore the matchups and talk about like what the reality is, but the Hawks should be the better team on Wednesday when they host the Washington Wizards. So the Wizards, um, let's just say they're not very good. Coming into the season, the Wizards had the worst win projection at FanDuel uh, in the entire league. Uh, they did win, actually, a game of the first three. They, they beat the Grizzlies at home. But tonight, they were down by like 40-ish against Boston at one point. Um, yeah, it was 42-19 in the first half, in the first quarter of, the, of tonight's game against the, against the Celtics. The Wizards are not very good. So that's a game that the Hawks should win at home. Um, will they win? Is it guaranteed? Absolutely not. But this should be, and I'm, I'm pretty sure this now, unless something drastically weird happens with regard to like player availability, the Hawks will be the biggest favorite, biggest favorite they've been so far at FanDuel in that game on Wednesday. And of course, again, the Hawks won their, their two most, most difficult games so far and then lost their two easiest ones, in my opinion. So uh, anything can happen when it comes to NBA basketball. One more PSA, and you might have heard this last night as well, but I know people not, not, not necessarily listening to every single show, but there is a postcast from the Lawton Podcast Network that could be uh, sort of appearing in your audio-only feeds. I got a lot of questions about this on Friday evening. Uh, it did not happen last night. I'm not entirely sure what the schedule is that for that just yet because it's not my show, but you might see some extra audio kind of bonus show kind of thing when it comes to Locked On Sports Atlanta crew. They actually record on Friday night. Um, so nothing is changing for me. I know I got like, even more questions today from people that didn't listen to this PSA last night on the show, but uh, I am not leaving. There's no like changing of the guard. It just might be some extra content in your audio-only podcast feeds from Locked On Podcast Network. So stay tuned for that. Please subscribe to the podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. I encourage you to do that even multiple times. The best way to possibly support the show is to subscribe to this podcast and auto-download it and uh, give us those extra clicks. Always appreciated. Same thing on the video side. Likes and subscriptions appreciated on YouTube. Please leave five-star ratings and reviews. Follow the, sh- follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter if you'd like to at BT Roland. I write about the Hawks as well. Patreon.com slash BT Roland. And I appreciate all the support in the uh, last couple of days, and I'm sure it'll be you know be rolling into Wednesday. So uh, stay tuned. We'll have much more coverage coming up, coming up later this week. I'm not sure about a podcast between now and Wednesday, but at the very least, I'll be back after the game, I should say, on Wednesday evening. Then we'll have more later on in the week and rolling into the weekend. Stay tuned, everybody. I really do appreciate you listening to the podcast tonight. And really, tell your friends about the show. That's one big thing early in the season. I had somebody ask me tonight, actually, about what they can do to support the podcast. Spread the word. Tell your friends. All that fun stuff. And we'll see you all next time.